0: If you really want to know then come on let's go take a stroll down those What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast. Got the gang back together again. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, joined by Stephen.
1: What up, everybody?
0: And Bradley.
2: How's it going, Mountain Nation?
0: So um, I guess that uh, we should lead this off with the elephant in the room. I mean, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know, the past week, you pretty much know what's going on. Well, we're jumping off with uh, Texas and Oklahoma uh to the sec rumor started last week now uh we had a luxury at the time of this recording that the news is pretty much official they informed the big 12 they won't be uh renewing the grant of rights in 2025. Um, they have sent their invitation to the sec to try and join uh july 1st 2025 so um for our purposes let's take it back a little bit when you guys first heard the news, Stephen Bradley, uh, what were your initial thoughts? Did you believe it? What were you know what what were you thinking there, Bradley?
2: I I was caught like off guard completely. I think most of the world was pretty much caught off guard by this. I think you guys would all agree that we were just like it's something we thought might happen with the conference realignment, like uh, with the the TV deals coming up. We all thought it might happen, but I didn't think that Oklahoma and Texas were ready to jump ship as quick as they did. I think the NIL stuff kind of led to that. Uh, some of this, like just like big money in football right now, is uh, you know an advantage for a lot of these young guys. So um, I didn't expect it to take off that fast, but um, so I think it took me a couple of days for it to like really soak in, like how like this is happening. You know, this is shit's about to break open, and uh, I guess we'll, we'll see what's we're seeing what's can happening. Gonna hit the
0: fan, yeah, yeah. That was absolutely.
2: my first yeah, initial I'm, reaction. Yeah, uh,
1: I was. I'm. I'm fifty fifty. I was. Like you said, I was initially shocked that OU and Texas decided to jump this year because the contract doesn't run up until 2023 or 24. I've been saying that for nearly a decade now, and I think me and New Crews have talked yeah. about that a bunch just privately. Every single time that the confer- or that the uh, the confer- TV contracts come up, conference realignment comes up. It's happened that way each of the past three times the contracts have come about, and so I knew this was coming what I think was really going to happen and what we're moving towards is we're going to have two to maybe three. We may have four super conferences. I don't really see four of them being the case because there's, there's going to be so many teams and so many conferences that yeah. you're going to only have space to fill two of them by that point. Right. And I've, I've been seeing like hearing things like you're going to turn into the, you know, the junior NBA or the junior NFL and, that's true but i don't i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing for the sport i think with the way everything is moving and with the nil deals you know being put in place it might be a positive and especially for a place like wvu who's got all of this new you know these new things working in their favor but
2: and it's like something you look back at like uh the basketball bracket like people don't argue that that's still just regional shit you know you got your east west south and north and that's just like It makes logical sense to split this up into those four big conferences, pretty much dominating those four areas. Like, so I don't get why they're like, oh, it's like NFL small. Yeah, it's a smart way to do it. And it's like, we're not. Just picking off of that, but like it's, it's, it makes good sense. It's well, going to breed better competition in a more certain the way, way. The way that I see it is,
1: is it, traditionalists won't, won't like it and won't, yeah. Ever it's, accept it's
0: it, I mean, college football is for, forever changed at this point. You're you right. know, there's like with Texas, Oklahoma going to the SEC, whatever. And it just depends. It's kind of based on predictions where you see it going from here. You know, as to how you feel about it. But I, I mean, I'm kind of in that same boat. I think that um, the, the what was the power five, I thought that they were on their way previously to kind of branching off from the NCAA and doing their own thing. You know, NCAA will maintain whatever schools remain. But I think now it's even further going to that point, like you said, with the NIL. And things like that you know college football is in a fragile state right now if you think about it with the transfer portal nil conference realignment you know it's more fragile than maybe it's ever been but i think that you're heading to that point where uh, not necessarily super conferences but i think you're going to have the 40 to 60 some best teams you know the highest teams if you're in that 40 to 60 you're there and they're going to branch off from the ncaa and you know eventually maybe have their own their own league you know with those 40 to 60 teams and however they divide those up conference wise or whatever but i think that that's kind of where 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 you're heading because even if you're talking super conferences and you're talking 16 team conferences that's four of them you know if, if you're excluding the, the big 12 which which in my opinion i am and you have 16 teams four conferences that's 64 teams so you're talking about the, the top 64 are you in that top 64 or are you left out and I think that top 64 could you know form their own league you know it's all it's all speculation at this point but it's super intriguing to see where it's going to go from here
1: well do you guys think what do you I'll ask you this do you think West Virginia will play in the big 12 two seasons from now
0: i I don't I don't I think um you know the news has come out you know at this point you know where we're recording uh 2025 the grant of rights is up that's when uh, Texas is saying they're going to leave, and they're saying they're going to join the SEC July 1st, 2025. But Texas doesn't want to be a lame duck for four years. Oklahoma doesn't want to be a lame duck for four years, and the Big 12, frankly, probably doesn't want a lame duck conference for four years, knowing not, you know, what's going to happen at the end of that uh, that period. You know, it's 2025. So even though that's going on, I think you're going to start to see over the next few months, over the next year, uh, some of these other Big 12 teams uh, announce that they're not going to renew either, and the Big 12 essentially is going to blow up. And I think. Um, As early as 2022 season, 2023, the latest uh, Texas and Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC and these other Big 12 conferences are uh, are going to find their home. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh,
1: essentially what I believe, I don't mean to cut you off if you were going to speak Bradley, but essentially oh, what I gonna. think it's going to be is the same exact deal as the way that we left the Big East Conference back in 2011. I think that, you know, everything started to spiral, you know, once the news broke that West Virginia and all these schools were going to leave the Big mm-hmm. East and it eventually just folded. And you had no choice but to get out or, you know, become one of those teams that got left out. And, you know, fortunately for a lot of the teams in the Big East, they did get out, and most of them went to the ACC. But I don't know. I really think that West Virginia is going to end up playing in I, what I believe. I think they'll be in the ACC by 2022.
0: It's – uh, it's yeah, exactly. It's That's what you need to look forward to is um, West Virginia, you know, 2010 – They got scooped up, you know, went to the Big 12. And I think they're in much better shape now. So I think the fans that are worrying that West Virginia is going to be one of the teams left on the outside looking in or that West Virginia is going to have to go independent or something like that, I think just just pump the brakes, calm down, West Virginia is going to find a home. Yeah, whatever it is, West Virginia is up in that that upper echelon of college football right now. Don't you think, Bradley, that West Virginia is going to be squared away somewhere, wherever that may be?
2: I honestly think that – we might be the most benefited team out of all this shenanigans that's going on. I really, truly do. I think West Virginia, as a program, could. I think Neil Brown and Shane Lyons are jumping for joy at this whole entire breakdown of the Big 12. Because sitting back and looking at it now, even though I loved being in the Big 12, and it took me a second to like adjust to thinking about playing in the ACC, when you sit down and look at it, we are just primed for some absolute... It's like it's some great times if we can really manage it well. And so I think that we're in a good position in the fact that I think the big 12 is going to completely break up. I don't think that there will be a big 12 conference, mm-hmm. uh, even come the next like year or two after like this year. I think this is, I think this will probably be the last big 12 championship. The, play the, this fair, year.
0: the farewell tour this year, the maybe. farewell
2: tour. Yeah. It's a yeah. farewell, farewell fight, which is super exciting for us as about near fans. We think we're gonna have a good season. What a great time to have a good season. Then on our way out, the way know. we ended
1: the last one wasn't it? Yeah, that's
2: right. Big and so, at Orange Bowl.
1: <laughs> uh, Oh yeah, and
2: so I think that Neil Brown and, and Shane Lyons uh, listened to the Golden Blue dude the other day talking about how they've actually been talking to the ACC for a couple months. And I'm like, I I, I don't I don't know why I ever sell those two guys short. I don't know why I ever sell Shane Lyons and Gordon Gee short. Yeah, I mean they probably have seen this coming for a couple of years, just like you guys have been talking about for a couple of years. And like, hey, when that time comes, Texas and Oklahoma are going to jump ship. We can go to the ACC, bump up some rivalries. We're already going to like, we're going to sell out every single freaking visitors game that we play in in the ACC. And I think that we'll have a chance to be Absolutely. truly dominant in there. And I think that we're bringing in a true, uh, what some people would consider a blue blood program. I mean, we're the 14th most winningest program in football history. I mean, we're not coming in some. Some Joe that nobody knows, you know, and we're going to come in and give the ACC some some of that old history that they really are lacking right now. Like they have no heart in any of their games. It's just right. Clemson slapping everybody else around, and everybody else just trying to scramble around trying to figure out how to play football. And that's just sucks. Virginia Tech's on a slide. pits at the lowest freaking average you've ever seen at a football game in history. It's sad. And so I think that us coming in there is going to be super exciting for us. A lot of the kids we're recruiting right now from Philadelphia. Pennsylvania or like Ohio we got some kids from Michigan they're going to be super excited to play some of these closer games now even though they signed on to be at the Big 12 they're still going to do just fine right here when our offense which I think will work way better for Neil Brown in the ACC than it would have ever worked in the Big 12 for him and so I think that we're in a perfect position to really just like take off if we can get if we can get to the ACC I think the sky's our limit honestly because Nobody scares me. Like I'm not even scared of Clemson. Where like I would be uh, every year. Oklahoma, even like before. Well,
1: I think everybody's impossible. passing us off in the ACC simply because we. How many times have we tried to join the conference? Now is it yeah, two?
0: I mean, it's is two, it three? Will this, this be the third third time? Yeah. I, I believe. Yeah. Well,
1: back in 2011, the reason um, I, I'm going to say the reason that I believe we didn't get back in the into the ACC was because of Frank Beamer. He didn't played want to a big play part, in County. Played was a big part. Virginia part Tech of, was a huge against huge it. Part of that, uh, of Virginia Tech and part of the ACC. Okay, <laughs> West Virginia since then has further solidified themselves as a Power Five member. They've gained better recruits every single year they've been in the Big Twelve. In my opinion, well, not every single year because Dana didn't care about them, but lately, their facilities are top five in the country right now. Their technology that they're bringing in is innovative, you could say Absolutely. at the least. West Virginia Mm -hmm. bar none is one of the, I think one of the top 10 or top 10 programs in the country on the come up all around. I think it would be a a shame if the ACC passed up on West Virginia, joining the conference. And right now, I think you're, I don't know if you guys have seen the news about Oklahoma state and, and West Virginia, Mm -hmm. um, possibly being joint members to try to join the ACC, uh, well, what does what does that do for Oklahoma State? It puts them in a the West Virginia situation of what we've been in in the last nine years. Suck it up, Tra- yeah. Travel yeah. Eyes up. and everything. Okay. Yeah. exactly. I guess they're going
0: like,
2: to know. They what don't the even have to for... travel as far.
0: Still. Well, uh, yeah. And that's that's the thing. Those Oklahoma and Texas schools that are not Oklahoma and Texas, you know, they're they're left. You know, you kind of kind of feel bad for them. They're just kind of left hanging, but. You know it is what it is they're going to find a home one way or the other but um i think we're kind of all on the same page of where we think west virginia will get up but i will touch on that in a minute um I know we've mentioned Shane Lyons briefly, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about his statement. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday, Monday night. Shane Lyons released a statement um, about um, all of this that's going on with uh, Texas and Oklahoma leaving the SEC confirmed. And, you know, more or less to me seemed like a resume, you know, for West Virginia promoting our our Rhodes Scholars, our academics, you know, all, all of that good stuff, you know, almost like a pitch to the ACC or whoever else wants to hear it. Hey, this is what we're doing and, you know, things like that but i think you know if you listen to some of that wording in there it's kind of interesting to me the part that stuck out was uh towards the end he said you know working with the big 12 and across the country which you know maybe is that a shout out you know to the pac-12 or whatever you know you've heard that the pac-12 and big 12 had discussed a merger previously which the only thing thing the thing for me is uh the Pac-12, you know, they want tier one research facilities and the Big Ten wants AAU schools. West doesn't fall into either one of those categories. So who knows, you know, they, they could, of course, adjust that with, you know, this conference realignment. Who knows what the requirements are going to be and who's going to go where? But that's kind of what I want to address with you guys. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma leave. You got eight schools left. Um who do you see falling where um who's left out on the outside looking in maybe you know ended up in a conference like the acc or mountain west and you know who who ends up in these other power fives if the big 12 is done which i think we all agree is uh where are these other schools going whether it be big 10 pack 12 aac uh mountain west um bradley bradley what are you thinking for the eight remaining schools excluding west virginia because we'll, t- we'll touch on them in a minute
2: yeah um so I think the, the best I, – so I think Kansas is going to get scooped up by the Big Ten. I think that's pretty – Great. Them and Iowa State, which I think is good for Iowa State. So then you got – you got what? Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU. And uh, Texas, Texas Tech.
0: Tech. Yep. And uh, K- Kansas State.
2: Kansas State, yeah. I think that that's just a struggle. I think some of the – I think Baylor could do good in the pac 12 I think that Texas Tech could do good in the Pac-12. I think TCU could do good in the Pac-12, but I don't think the Pac-12 is going to take on all of those people. They might be able to. I don't know much about West Coast football. They don't know how to Life play boss. football out there for me. so <laughs> I don't games, The
0: there. games are on too late for me, to, for me to know.
2: Yeah, I never know what's going <laughs> on out there. So, But I think that those are high-flying offenses, and I think they could excel out there. I think, yeah, Oklahoma State, I feel like it's an oddball out because, I mean, they're really getting shafted with – Oklahoma up and leaving them and so I think Oklahoma State as because they're not in AAU or whatever it is for the Big Ten Mm -hmm. I don't really see them fitting into the Pac-12 maybe doing a West Virginia situation and traveling to the ACC doing maybe what is it the coastal division where they'd be playing Florida State and stuff like that maybe but that's probably farther away hell yeah I don't know yeah
0: that's it it, it's tough to call but you know, I think I think to me the the schools that are in good position, Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. I think all four of those are going to land on their feet somewhere. Uh, like you said, Kansas in in the Big Ten, I could definitely see that's one of the top basketball programs in the country and you know a lot of people don't realize behind oklahoma and texas that's the school that brings in the third most money in the big 12 is kansas despite their football program yeah, being terrible
2: basketball
0: yeah because their basketball program is so elite that you know they're up there and then iowa state uh natural fit in the big 10 really you know get their natural rival with iowa in there and so i, I agree with you there i see those two big 10 um, and then like you said pac 12 if they're smart they'll poach some of these texas schools they'll get the baylor and the and the and the texas tech maybe um maybe they'll go after oklahoma state too who knows but i think that the teams that could end up outside the power five right now as far as i see it i think kansas state and tcu are probably in the most danger uh, maybe kansas state ended up in like uh, the mountain west and tcu ended up in the acc or mountain or back in the mountain west again but uh I don't know. You know, it it could fall either way, and then you also got to take into account some of these other conferences. Now that the SEC has laid the gauntlet down and poached other conferences, what's to stop the ACC, uh, AAC? Pac-12 from poaching some of these schools not only from the Big 12 but what if the SEC wants to go out get Clemson you know Florida State then it's a whole new ball game but uh with the way things are now with what we know uh Texas Oklahoma going to SEC Stephen uh the remaining Big 12 programs you see them kind of falling um into the conferences that me and Bradley have laid out or you see something a little different there
1: yeah I see it a lot of like like you guys do I see Kansas and Iowa State both going to the Big Ten and then I see I, I actually see TCU um maybe trying to find a place with Texas Tech. I don't see either of them going to the SEC because Texas A&M has already said, you know, they're they're very vocal about Texas leaving and coming to the SEC. I don't ever see in them, allow, you know, standing up and allowing other Texas schools to come out there. And I'm not saying that Texas A&M runs SEC or anything, but you know how that goes. If one of Darkest. them starts to do that, Texas is also going to stand up and be like, hey, you know what? Well, we've got enough Texas schools in the SEC now. I think Texas Tech and TCU are both going to be probably in the Pac-12. But I'm like you, I think Kansas State uh I think Kansas State's going to probably unfortunately fall out and and be left out of of any of the power conferences. I don't know what it is going to be. Power 5 or the Power 2 or yeah, what it's going that's, to, that's
0: to be. Yeah, I said you know, you never know, but I, I feel I think right. Kansas State's in the, in the most in the worst position of the remaining 8. One
2: interesting am, thing I'm, that I think that might happen like if with the whole entire college football playoffs, maybe expanding, is the Big 12 try to stick it out. And what I think they do is they scoop up Houston and they might scoop up like BYU mm-hmm. and really just try to like fortify, you know, kind of Cincinnati what the AAC USF has.
1: Or yeah.
2: You know, try to just like solidify something in that range where it's just like, hey, maybe we have two or three people that are in the top 25 every year. If we're lucky, three people, one to two people every year consistently. And then we have somebody playing at least for. A college football playoff spot and you know the top 12 top 16 teams whatever it may be you know they go for that approach and then oklahoma state and them have like that kind of argument to try to bring kids in there where they wouldn't have that you know they'll be the top of that pro uh, top of that conference you know but that's the only way i could see that happening is if they try to consider the expanding playoffs like Which, hey, maybe we'll try to play outside yeah I, i'm glad
0: you mentioned that because the 12-team playoff i think plays a big part in this uh the 12-team playoff uh, format that's been approved by one committee has to be approved by another or something like that i believe but it, yeah. you know maybe coming in i think notre dame uh in that plays a big part because with the format they have submitted with this 12-team play, playoff format the top six conference champions get this top six slots and then, you know, the top four of those get a first-round bye. So with this format, Notre Dame could never be higher than a seven seed in the playoff right now because they're never going to be a conference champion, so they're never going to get the first-round bye, and they're never going to be in the top six. So I think Notre Dame, you know, maybe now is more apt to join a conference than ever before. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about them in West Virginia, the ACC, um, Cincinnati and West Virginia, the ACC, and then, of course, as Stephen said earlier, even Oklahoma State and West Virginia to the SEC. I mean to the ACC, rather. But, uh, Bradley, what you said about the Big 12 trying to scoop in some uh, other teams, you know, brought me to a question I wanted to ask you guys is next year, you know, this time next year, 2022, um, do you guys think the Big 12 conference is still alive? Maybe they brought in Cincinnati, Houston, uh, BYU, UCF, or or Memphis, you know, some teams like that, or is it more likely – we're talking here next year around this time in the big 12 conference um, is no more. What do you think's uh, more likely there, Uh, Stephen?
1: In my opinion, I think we're going to be talking about the conference folding more at this time next year than we are right now. If Texas and Oklahoma are already that vocal about it, those two schools aren't two schools that are in my mind playing about something like that. And some people think that they may be, you know, trying to scare the big 12 and, You know, in announcing that so early, I don't see that. I don't see that. Those two have more money to play with than they could even.
2: If they you wanted know. to scare them, they would have been trying to hold this above their head for a while, where now they're that's just exactly like, hey, right, well, they, right. were right. be, they would have
1: announced this two years ago. Big 12,
2: ago. Me, big 12 right. Media Days was just like, two weeks ago or a week hey, ago. Well, <laughs> and you see the reports yeah. that came out big. after
0: after the news broke, the Big 12 was going to give them higher revenue shares, cut everybody oh, else's damn!
1: I would have still
2: wanted W to leave. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I, that's, I've, yeah. I mean it, if that doesn't I take I think the we would be big lying if
1: all of it. I mean,. Don't get me wrong. People can hate on Oliver Luck all they want to, but I'm glad that West Virginia got into the Big 12 when they did. They nobody it. else was going to take us. It was the it was the move to take. As bad as everybody wants to hate on, I hate it too. I wanted to go to the ACC, but well, West Virginia wrong, needed yeah. that. And if without without the Big 12 conference, West Virginia wouldn't be in the position that they are now to be able to get into the ACC, or you know, whatever happens if we go to the Big Ten or whatever conference we end up in. Fingers crossed, ACC.
2: And then we but got West Shane Virginia. Lyons running thing, and he's put us in a perfect spot. He, all of our athletic departments are popping off.
1: And right, it's, Oliver and Luck Shane doesn't Lyons. get enough credit for that either, because Shane Lyons was was a hire from Oliver Luck. He hired him before he left WVU, and he helped find that at, the athletic director. So, I look, I I get it. I can see how it was a partly bad move from the travel aspect of things. People can view that as a bad thing, but I happen to like Oliver Luck as a, you know, as for what he did for for West Virginia in yeah. the time he did it. Because it did work out. Absolutely.
0: I agree. I mean, you had to have it at that time. You know, um, if not, you're le- left on the outside looking in, not in a Power 5 conference anymore. And we all seen what happened, you know, the University of Connecticut following that, you know, their program is in shambles right now, you know, independent. And who knows if they're going to be able to stay Division One after all this or anything, you know, football-wise. So, um I agree with you, Oliver Luck. You know, it may not be a move people necessarily loved. It may not be a conference people love being in, but it was the right move at the time. And kept West Virginia relevant. kept West Virginia, in the Power Five, and West Virginia now needs, you know, something similar from Shane Lyons, which I think they'll get to keep them to keep them relevant. But uh, Bradley, I uh, proposed the same question to you this time next year: Has the Big Twelve added, you know, three, four, five teams, and we're still in the West Virginia still in the Big Twelve conference, or is the Big Twelve conference in 2022 going to be a thing
2: of the past? West Virginia will absolutely not be in the big 12 conference, even if it sticks around like we're gone. I don't, I don't think that we are even having to beg the ACC to let us in. I think that they are going to welcome us. And I think they're going to use us as a big bribing chip to get Notre Dame in there as well. Like, Hey, like round it off 16 teams, like it'll be eight and eight, you know? And so, you know, I think we're going to ACC and I think it's the best move for us. And I, I think that, this is literally the best thing that could have happened to our program, and Neil Brown and Chain Lions are throwing a party about it.
0: I, I think, think I think so, true. too. West Virginia is going to end up – I mean, if they end up in the ACC, which, uh, Bradley, I take that that's what you think is going to happen. West Virginia is going to yeah. eventually end up in the yeah. ACC. I'm right there with you. I think, you know, uh, blue and gold colored glasses off, that's where I want them to end up. But I think that's also the most likely uh, scenario. And at this point, like the way I see it, is it's pretty much ACC or bust for West Virginia, unless the Big 12 decides makes to make some moves. Sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just right there, uh, right there for the table. Well, I don't you think know, the Big
2: Ten is completely cold to us. I think that we don't necessarily meet their academic standards, but I don't think the Big Ten is cold to us. They
0: would just have to make an exception on that one.
1: I don't, front,
2: I don't but, really yeah. think it falls
1: down to academic standards. I just think it it for me it comes down to. I mean, I am a traditionalist. I do. I will admit that. But the, for me, it comes down to who are you going to gain the most revenue from by joining the conference? Are you going to have? Are you going to have money traveling to go play Penn State? Probably, but not that much. Are you going to have people traveling to go see them play Indiana or go see them play Wisconsin? Probably not that much. Are you going to have, if you go to the ACC, are you going to have people traveling to Pitt? You're damn right. Oh, are you yeah, going to have people absolutely. traveling to Virginia Tech? Yes, sir. You're going to have people traveling to Miami every year. ACC and Miami. Clemson, every single best. team that you match up West Virginia with in the ACC, you will have teams also traveling to Morgantown, but also WVU fans traveling down there as well.
0: Right. And what's that brings me to my next point. I think we're all agreeing right now. Our prediction, um, ACC, right? You guys, you guys right there with me. ACC is where mm-hmm. you think West Virginia's is going to end up. Um, I, I think so, too. So, you know, all three say, you know, we're we're predicting West Virginia to end up in the ACC. We feel like that's what's, what's going to happen, you know, sooner or later, whenever that may oh, be. You said
1: ACC. I thought she said double A-C. no, A-A, uh, ACC.
0: No, ACC.
1: Oh, I thought we was going to the American Athletic. What? Oh
0: man, I hope not. <laughs>
1: Disappointment.
0: That's what I say. Just drop back to where we pretty much were in the Big East. But you know, well, you know, I think ACC, just right along with that you guys. But
1: Southern Conference.
0: Right. And what I think though, what that what that made me think of, what you were saying there, Stephen, not only as far as the travel, West Virginia to be able to sell out games, um, what whatsoever, but West Virginia as a football team in that conference is is what? If they join that conference right now, what are they the, the third best team in the conference?
1: You have Clemson. You could say you could argue Florida State with, you know, the prestige. And I would put West Virginia up there, at least in the top That's five. Uh,
0: I mean, right now, I think North Carolina's on to come up. Maybe you have them behind Clemson, but I don't think Virginia Tech's better than than West Virginia right now. I don't Not I right don't now. think I don't think Florida State's better than West Virginia right now. I think you know if West Virginia joins that conference, if they're in the division opposite of Clemson West Virginia, I could see West Virginia playing Clemson in the conference championship game this year if West Virginia was in the ACC. I mean, um, what do you think, Bradley? West Virginia, as far as talent wise on the football side, I mean, they're. Yeah, right Brad, what do you think, man? I mean,
1: <laughs> think we can do play the ACC think
0: championship? Think the, this Mountaineers? Year, man. <laughs> the Mountaineers are going. <laughs> We're predicting United it right United here. United <laughs> <championship>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, right. like talent wise, West Virginia is is up there with what uh, the ACC yeah, has.
2: I think that we can. No, I agree. With anybody this year, I think that we really got a chance to compete with everybody this year.
1: So I uh, mean that's that's do I think sell- we yeah.
2: could have been competing with Clemson in the ACC championship probably, yeah. but <laughs> <It's>, I <laughs> think that we could I don't, be. I, don't know. I think that we could be in the next two or three years.
0: Right in the next two to three years, I I agree with you. But I, like, because that opposite division, other than Clemson, it's just a revolving door in that title game. I mean, what Pitt was in at what two three years ago? I mean, you know, it's it's yeah. it's Pitt, definitely that's a division West Virginia wants to be in.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, if they're bringing Notre Dame, really if you bring Pittie. in Notre Dame, then we we definitely fall back a little bit. It's like us, yeah, yeah, Notre Dame, that's UNC, yeah. Clemson, which is you know that's a fun two tops of two divisions. And well, that's that's the
0: interesting thing for the ACC is ACC really needs to be proactive here and bring in some of these teams because while the ACC has depth, they don't really have quality depth. It's really Clemson carrying that conference, and I think if you bring in WVU, Cincinnati, Football. Notre Dame, any. Yeah, football wise, exactly. Basketball, a whole different scenario. You got Duke, North Carolina, a lot stronger there. But football wise, if you bring in WVU or a Cincinnati or a Notre Dame, they're right up there in the in the top, you know, five of your conference as far as as far as team goes. So I think the ACC would really do benefit themselves a lot to be proactive here because if they sit back and wait, what's to say the SEC doesn't pick off a of Clemson or a Florida State?
1: That's, that's oh, yeah. what I was going to touch on, too. Like you said earlier, that's really my main concern right now of going to the ACC is if Clemson gets posed by the, the SEC, what's that do for that conference? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you still have basketball. Like I said, you have Duke and North Carolina and you have those other schools that can, can play that part. But that's what happened to the Big East Conference. They, made, they literally just became a basketball conference. That, talk, that's that's not that's what following. you want if you're going to be the the ACC. But I, I think West Virginia will be smart right now to be patient, which is what they're doing and waiting on to see when Oklahoma and Texas are going to leave, which I believe if Oklahoma and Texas decide to jump ship a little early and they do their buyouts, I think West Virginia can make a case like they did back when they left the Big East and say mm-hmm. that the Big 12 Conference didn't provide adequate, you know, adequate competition like they said in their contract that they were going to. If Oklahoma and Texas leave – it's half your competition in the conference, in my opinion. And
0: Absolutely. So, I think Absolutely. West
1: is patient enough to leave to wait for them to leave so you can make that case, but proactive enough to not wait on somebody like Clemson or, you know, some of these bigger guys that get poached by the yeah. SEC.
0: Gotta gotta have an ace up your sleeve for sure. The and SEC. you know, as I said, the SEC, it's, it's taking over. over football, and, you know, a big part of that, you know, people aren't talking about ESPN. ESPN's playing a hand in this. You know, ESPN's promoting SEC. ESPN wants the SEC to be a big conference. You know, ESPN's right there, right there in and with it. It's, it's last, last year, last time, rather, of realignment, you know, 10 years ago, it was very much television-driven. This time, it's very much money-driven because, you know, television's not that, you know, got streaming, things like that. It's very much how much money can we make off of your program. All right, so. I guess uh, we've touched a little bit on the uh, conference realignment. Anything else uh, you guys want to add? Bradley, Steven, ready to move on to some, uh, some WVU football yeah, yeah. topics? Yeah, I'm ready
1: to talk some talk – some I'm play. ready to talk about our team. Yeah. yeah, let's, let's talk –
0: Let's talk some uh, WVU football uh, offseason here. You know, this offseason wrap-up show. And so we just kind of want to touch on a little bit of uh, what's happened this off season, whether it be news, players where she bought in, some position battles upcoming in fall camp, and we're going to get to all that. Let's start it off with the transfers um, – the transfers West Virginia gain in the offseason. Got a list here. Um, I didn't include Doug Nestor, of course, for Virginia Tech because he was here for the spring um, offensive lineman, you know, going to play a big part. Everyone knows that. But other than that, West Virginia had, got linebacker Lance Dixon, uh, 6'2", 213 from Penn State, uh guy with a lot of potential. Uh, didn't get too much play at, at Penn State, but he's a guy that's very athletic, a young guy, I believe, Richard, freshman, Richard, sophomore. So uh, going to have a you know long career here chance to pan out. And then you got Charles Woods from Illinois State, 6'1", 175, a corner where you really need a depth at that corner spot. And then Caleb Coleman, a guy that can play corner or safety, 6'2", 185 from community college. But the interesting thing about him is despite being a JUCO recruit, Um, He was a freshman last year, that year didn't count, so he's coming to West Virginia as a freshman with college experience as a junior college recruit, so that's big. And then you got a grad transfer in uh, Deshaun Stevens from Maine, 6'2", 255 linebacker, so a big linebacker there you don't typically see at West Virginia, and he played against Alonzo Adai in the FCS and uh, coming to West Virginia immediately eligible and going to provide depth to that linebacker spot and then most recently, um, the defensive line was Virginia added Darrell Middleton, a six-foot-seven, 305-pound uh, defensive lineman from Tennessee that West Virginia, another spot where West Virginia di- desperately needed depth. so I think With the remaining scholarships, West Virginia went out and got these, you know, five transfers, all defensive players, all in spots where they need a depth, you know, secondary linebacker and D-line, really trying to solidify what was a strong defense last season. And then, of course, you got Doug Nestor coming over on the offensive side. But um, out of these transfers, which one do you guys think will uh, make the biggest impact in uh, 2021? Who you got, Steven?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with uh – Daryl Middleton, I think he's going to be just where we have to have so much depth on the line. I know that, you know, obviously Dante's going to do his thing in there. Um, Akeem Bezador, I think moving from the end position into the uh, nose guard position, that's going to be pretty huge because Akeem didn't do bad last year at the end position. Mm-hmm. I think he surprised a lot of people, including myself, about how well he did. Um, you know, and then you hear Dante talking about, you know, how well he's kind of done throughout camp at adjusting to that nose guard position. But I think you're going to still have to have some depth there. I think Daryl Middleton, he's got some good size, and like you said, really athletic. I think he's going to come in and make a difference. Uh, But I'm also excited to see Charles Woods, too. I think so, too. He he might be a little bit like Charles Woodson, you know.
0: If we're lucky.
1: Sounds a lot of like that. <laughs>
0: if we're lucky, but no, I, I'm right there with you. I think I think Middleton, like as far as this year, probably provides the most help on that D line, especially when he lost Pooler late in the spring. So I'll echo echo your answer, and I'll go I'll go Middleton as well. But uh, Deshaun Stevenson's my wild card, just because you know 255. That's a big linebacker, and I'm guessing he's going to be there in the middle, backing up uh, Josh Chandler Samito. C- so that'll give him some uh, some ability to rest there. So I'm right there with you, um, Bradley. What about you? What do you think as far as these transfers?
2: Yeah, I was going to go Daryl Middleton as well. I think that's just like a big body that's going to like lay on some people and really take up some energy. And I think that's going to be crucial for keeping our guys fresh is just having a big body we can throw in there that's just going to really uh, – it's going to take a lot – that takes a lot to move that big body, you know. And so I think that that guy's just going to wear some people out and then we'll ultimately – but uh, we'll just shout out Charles Woods too. I think he's going to have to step into some shoes and help a lot uh, – st- a spot that we probably most need people in, so – yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: speaking of Charles Woods, he's going to be involved in a uh, position battle coming up this fall. You know, for that second corner position, and there's quite a few position battles that are uh, going to be coming up in fall camp. So I figured, why not look at a few of these position battles and give our, you know, kind of early prediction on who we think is going to come out um, in these position battles? We'll start on the offense. With the uh, wide receivers at X wide receiver, you got an interesting one. uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, a guy that has a ton of potential, had his struggles last year, as most of the receivers did, versus uh, Caden Prather, a high rated recruit, you know, had a big couple catches there in the spring game, looks the part, um, big guy, both those guys, big guys, and uh, got potential. But uh, what do you guys think here at X wide receiver? You got Bryce Ford Wheaton or Caden Prather starting uh, game one? What do you think, Steven?
1: Oh, you got to go BFW. I got Bryce for weed man. He balled out last year. You can't go wrong with him. But I'm excited to see Caden Prather, man.
0: Absolutely. When I mean, you got a true freshman,
1: if he beats BF dub out, then, you know, that says a lot. But I I seen a lot of good things out of Br- Bryce last year. And he really showed up, especially when a lot of our receivers, you know, weren't able to make plays. He he did show up in a lot of games. So yeah, I'm happy to go true. to him.
0: That's true. I think that um I'm going to agree with you, even though I'm a big fan of Caden Prather, I think, just as a true freshman. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to start, you know, day one. But if he does, then look out, because that's that's something that you don't see a lot. Um, Bradley, what about you?
2: Um, so, yeah, I think Bryce Ford Wheaton's going to get the start. I, I You did see some moments last year where he did struggle a little bit, but you can't hold that against the kid. I think that he's poised to have a great year, but I do think that Caden is a very hungry kid, and I think if BFW... Let's up for one second, I don't think Neil Brown's going to be afraid to like, let him, I think we'll still see him make some big plays and he's going to be exciting to watch. And I think he's going to make him, I think when he's on the field, you're going to know it, but I think that just like he he needs probably another year, just of consistency under the system, just to get the lead. Just that
0: experience under his belt. I agree. All right. So, um, we all kind of agree on that one. Let's flip it over to the other side of the field at the other wide receiver position, the Z wide receiver. And this one's interesting to me, maybe one of the more um, intriguing battles, and that's between Sean Ryan and Isaiah Esdale. You know, Sean Ryan transferred from Temple a couple years ago, uh, looked good in spots, got hurt, a kind of similar thing last season, recovering from injury, injury. Then when he finally came on late in the season, really looked the part. And Esdale, I think, is a guy that's been, you know, kind of consistently underrated since he got here. You know, he caught the game. Game winner against TCU and Neil Brown's first year last season. I remember against Texas, nobody could do anything. He came in and was going up, grabbing balls over guys. And you know he's arguably has the best hands on the team. I don't think I've ever seen Esdale drop a pass, and you can't say some of that about these other wide receivers. But Sean Ryan versus Isaiah Esdale, who's going to start there at the Z? I'll uh, lead off with you this time, Bradley.
2: I don't think there's going to be a true starter at this position all year long. I could see both of these guys getting alternated off as Neil Brown sees fit. If he's going to need like a, maybe they had a rough week of practice. They need a little bit more consistency, maybe coming out with Sean Ryan. And then, you know, some of these big games where you're really wanting that pop, you know, let Ezra go in there and see if he can make something exciting happen. So, I really don't think that there's really gonna be a wrong answer with who goes out there and starts, but I don't think it I think that's the one position that we'll see that might swap from week to week maybe even if it's uh not swapping immediately, but we see as they'll go in quite frequently on second third down that,
0: that's a great point and i and I kind of agree with that, but you know gun to my head right now I, I guess I would go Sean Ryan. I think he's got the size advantage. And uh, I think that's big. I think Neil Brown likes big receivers on the outside. So gun to my head right now, I'd say Sean Ryan, if you know, who's trotting out there on the field game one, but I'm right there with you. They're kind of interchangeable there and you could see either one. Uh, what about you, Steven? Uh,
1: I'm, I'm actually going to go Isaiah Isdale. I, I think that both of them are going to see a lot of playing time this year, as well as pretty much everybody on this list in these battles that we're going to talk about. Um, but I think, I think Isaiah Isdale showed me a lot uh, last year and, and, the few games that he did you know have catches there was a a bunch of games that he really didn't have a lot of you know action but in the in the few games that i did see and like you said a a couple seasons ago when he caught the game winner against tcu that showed me a lot but i haven't really seen a lot out of sean ryan you know to bolster all of the hype that he had coming out of temple uh so right now i would say i would say that uh isaiah isdell would get the nod from me
0: i like it i like it. I mean. That's one of the more intriguing ones, as I said, that could go either way, you know, yeah. could be interchangeable. So, um, I like that, though, and then let's let's talk about the offensive line, which I think is very interesting. Specifically, um, it's really just that right side of the offensive line. We'll talk right guard first, but right guard and right tackle, you know, a lot of those same players, I think, are going to factor in at both those spots, but as far as right guard on the offensive line, uh, Jordan White really came on in the spring and, you know, got to start there at that right guard position as a redshirt freshman, a lot of, as, which was a position that A lot of people had Doug Nestor, uh, the transfer from GenTech Tech. Penciled in as the starter there. Instead, Jordan White starts there. Doug Nestor slides out to right tackle. He can play either position. But uh, what do you guys think there, right guard? Does Jordan White have a lock on that spot? He's going to keep it? Or is Doug Nestor going to end up there? Um, What do you think, Stephen?
1: I think they're probably going to do it how they've handled it uh, uh, in the past two seasons. They'll probably try to start. uh, Jordan White started there in the spring, uh, or – yeah, in the spring, then he'll probably try to start him coming up this season. See how that goes for maybe the first two games. And if it, you know, if it needs a shift, then they'll try to shift it accordingly. Because well, that's one thing, as bad as the offensive line, they weren't really bad last year. They just didn't give the quarterback a lot of time in the pocket to throw the ball deep. Right. And that's really their biggest fault. And I feel like they had to work on I think Neil Brown knows that. He's talked about how they need to work on their long ball in their passing game. Um. They they make adjustments. That that's one of the best things that I've seen out of this coaching staff. So I feel like that's what that's probably what you'll see out of that. If Doug Nestor is the guy they're saying, he is, that's the thing we haven't really seen a lot out of either of these guys, unless you've watched, you know, any of the few amount of tape that they had coming into WVU. Right. Um. So it's hard for me to pick a guy, but if Jordan White was in there in the springtime, then that's probably who I'm going to go with in the you know in game one against Maryland.
0: I like it. I I think that you you like that starting a redshirt freshman there, especially because that could potentially be a four-year starter for you, and he's only going to get better. And if he's good enough to start right now, that's And that doesn't mean
1: that Doug Nestor doesn't start. It just means they shift him over to the right guard position.
0: Right, right. Right, I think I think that a lot of you know what the position battle here at right guard kind of hinges on what happens at right tackle, which we'll talk about momentarily. But as of now, I think I'm going to agree with you and and put Jordan White at that right guard and you know slide Doug Nestor out to that to that right tackle. But uh, what about you, Brandon? Right what do tackle. You
1: got? I'm sorry, I said right guard. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I think Jordan White's really showing himself. He's been really. Active, I think he's been putting in a lot of work, and I think he'll get the start in that first game. But I think offensive line, Neil Brown's made it a big point that he wants all of his linemen to be able to play multiple positions anyway. Absolutely. So I think that they're going to take the same approach that they've gone the last couple of years and go with just uh, by, by by company. You know, they swap dudes around every other week. You never know who's going to be where, and they're going to keep, you know, moving pieces around until eventually it's just there, you know?
0: Yep. And it's, it's a good problem to have that you have that depth on the offensive line now. Yeah. And, you know, two years ago, Neil Brown would have killed for that. So the fact that he has that now, I think it speaks volumes of how the season can go for West Virginia. And then, as I said, uh, right tackle is the next one we want to talk about here position battles-wise. And uh, right tackle kind of what happens there may hinge what happens on, on the right guard spot. But um, you've had John Hughes there the past couple years. Also, Parker Moore, who was a redshirt freshman last year, really came on late last season he was kind of the guy there in in the spring, him and John Hughes kind of rotating in and out with the first team at that right tackle spot. So you got Parker Moore, you got Doug Nestor, you got John Hughes, um, all three of which could probably play right guard or right tackle. And then the wild card, of course, is the highest-rated reclu- re- highest rated recruit excuse me, in this class, which was Wyatt Milam. And, you know, he's going to factor in there maybe two. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of expect him to redshirt, but I wanted to throw him in here because I didn't expect Zach Frazier to play as a true freshman last year, and look where he ended up. So you never know with Wyatt Milam. But out of those four names, uh, Parker Moore, Doug Nestor, Jordan, uh, John Hughes, excuse me, and Wyatt Milam, um, who starts a right tackle, Bradley.
2: Um, I, I'm happy. I'm. I think Parker Moore did a great job last year. I think Doug nestor has got wonderful potential, and he's a big body. I don't. I'm. I'm not mad at it, uh, at it for anyone. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'm right there with you. I, what I think, pleasant, that however, it plays out would we'll be good. Yeah. Uh, uh, if I if I had to pick, I would say Nester. Uh, but just because I think Jordan White's taking that right guard. But I think that if it happens that they want Nestor at that right guard, then I'm going uh, Parker Moore. Uh, what about you, Stephen?
1: Um, if they put Nestor at right guard, like I'm like you. I like I think Parker Moore is going to be there. But I am like, I also think that Wyatt Milam probably should rest shirt this year with a lot of that depth right there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice to see all of those names, but at the same time you want some guys to be able to have an extra year of eligibility if they so choose and be able to learn from all these guys. And I think that's one of the best things about having all that depth is you have a lot of young guys, too, that can learn from some of these bigger guys.
0: Absolutely. yeah. Yeah.
1: I was just gonna say good, yeah,
0: Doug Nester. Yeah. Doug Nester, Doug Nester. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I was that's what I was kind of I was just gonna echo that that the fact that if you get a true freshman that's as high ranked as Wyatt Milam was, and you have the luxury of redshirting him, that's really good for your program because ideally you would like to be able to redshirt that guy and start him in you know a year or two. So I think that that just kind of shows uh, Neil Brown, despite only being here a couple of years, he's really getting the recruiting on track, specifically um, in the trenches, both on offense and on defense. But uh, continuing with position battles, one more on the offense we want to talk about, and that is the backup running back who spells Lady Brown. You lose Alex Sinkfield to uh, Boston College via the transfer portal. Um, you got a few guys competing for that spot. You got Tony Mathis. You got various Sparrow. You got Justin Johnson, and then of course Jalen Anderson is a commit, but he has not yet arrived to WVU, so I didn't include him on this list. Don't know if he's going to make it or not. Yeah, I don't know what the situation is there. But right now out of the three names, uh, for who's gonna spell Letty Brown and, you know, get some of those carries and uh be that backup guy if you would, uh, Tony Mathis, a very Sparrow Justin Johnson, the true freshman. Four star true freshman, but still a true freshman in Justin Johnson. And then you got two uh redshirt guys in uh, Tony Mathis and Sparrow. Uh who do you like there, Steven?
1: Uh I like Tony Mathis, man. I Tony Mathis is he's pretty quick, he's shifty. I like what I've seen out of him. He's like a a Letty Brown, but a little bit smaller, I think. You know, it, I like his quickness, and that's what I, I think is a large part of a good running back in, in today's, um, at least, college football game. It's trickling over to the NFL now, but you'll see a lot of the better backs in the NFL are smaller guys, yeah. and they're really quick and shifty. I, I like Tony Mathis, but I also like uh, uh, Justin, what's his name? Justin, Justin Johnson. Justin Johnson. That guy right. was
0: a stud in a- high
1: school. Yeah, he's. I like his film, man. He looks like yeah. he's a pretty good guy too. He can run some guys he's over. He's gonna
0: be good. That's his. Yeah. That's that's the X factor to me is what he does in fall camp. But uh, until yeah. I get to that point, I'm with you. I think Tony Mathis is a lot like Letty Brown, but for that reason, I like a very Sparrow to spell him because a very Sparrow is kind of more akin to what Alex Sinkfield was, that type of speed runner, the guy that can break the long one. And I think that maybe you want that change of pace if you take Letty out. You don't really want Mathis necessarily that's a guy that plays like him so for me personally I, I like sparrow just as the change of pace and you know mathis if anything ever happened to Letty, maybe mathis would be the one to take on you know the starting role but sparrow i think is more for the change of pace guy so i like sparrow at that backup spot uh what about you bradley
2: yeah i uh, letty brown's going to be getting so many touches that i think uh, I'll, i i was going to say that they could use tony mathis it, even though he is a lot like letty brown That's also a benefit because then you don't yeah. lay out you do have some consistency in your scheme if, like, Letty Brown's getting beat up a little bit too much. But, yeah, I, I think that Letty Brown's going to be getting most of the carries, and these guys are really going to, like, uh, take a lot... Le- they'll probably take even a bigger backseat this year, maybe. So, I I don't know. If I'm cool i I'm cool seeing any of them. I, I hate that I keep saying that answer, that I'm just like, oh, I want to see everybody play, but it's like... I want to see everybody play, you know? (laughs) Just excited to see some (laughs) football, man. We got got some damn good players sitting two, three deep. I want to see who can play, you know? Yeah, let them all get out there and get their chance. Let the chips fall where they may.
1: I want to go ahead and talk about this, though. My bold prediction for this – for this whole season is Letty Brown's will be a top five running back in the country this year.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that. Uh, he's uh, certainly he's certainly being prepped for that. If you look, you know, through the spring, Neil Brown not letting him get tackled in the spring game and stuff. I think they're preparing him preparing him for a heavy workload, so I can see it.
1: But yeah. the, the the only bad thing about that is the only there's two other better running backs in the Big Twelve conference, in my opinion, and that's Brees Hall and Bijan Robinson.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's the Big Twelve is loaded at running back this season. It really yeah, is because you got Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State also. So you know
1: if Puka Williams was still in the. Big That's what I'm saying.
0: You got you got four four to five running backs in the Big Twelve that are in the top ten to top twenty in the country. So yeah, it's tough. A, it's tough, but look, I, I got faith in Luddy. I think he's gonna have a big year. Me too. All right. Let's, uh, that's the offensive ones we kind of want. So let's flip over to the defense, talk about some position battles. Let's lead it off with the bandit spot. And that's interesting because Vandarius Cowan, when he's been healthy, has shown out at that spot. But then when he hasn't been, Jared Bartlett has really filled in admirably. Jared Bartlett's a guy with a lot of speed, has really shown ability to rush the passer. Um, and those two, guys, <clears throat> excuse me, those two guys are really competing for that bandit spot, going to be competing for that bandit spot in fall camp, uh, Vandarius Cowan. Jared Bartlett, who's going to be the guy there? Bradley,
2: um, I think it's going to be Vandarius Cowan and Vandarius Cowan, just because like I think he's, I think he's a better athlete, and I think he's all around our better player in that position. But Jared Bartlett's not a bad backup. He's got plenty of experience. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to go out there and be a glaring weak spot. So I, but I mean, I just think Vandarius is just more explosive, and I think he's a scarier dude on the end and uh, or coming off the end. So I. Uh, I think that's who will get the start, as long as he stays healthy. I mean, that's a big thing with Vandarius.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you. It's just if if he can finally stay healthy, he'll have a big year. I think he's got monster potential, always has, and we've seen it when, in the few times we've seen him on the field. So I'd, I'd echo that, and I'd go Vandarius as well. Uh, oh, what about so, you, so Steve? You can go
1: ahead and skip on to the next one, because I was going to say the exact same thing. Man. I think all of us know <laughs> yeah, Vandarius is healthy, is man. That, he's that, that, dude. He's
0: a guy. Yeah, but he's got a lot He's got to stay healthy. Absolutely, all right. So then, let's go. Uh, let's go into the secondary. Um, we will talk um, corner. Uh, we lost Trushun Miller. Uh, still have uh, you know some guys there. Brought in some guys there. Uh, opposite Nick Troy Fortune, who's obviously going to start. You know, this is about going on his third year as a starter. You got a few names that could be that uh, second corner there. So uh, let's talk Jackie Matthews, Daryl Porter Jr., a favorite of mine. If you all remember.
1: Up corner.
0: Up corner And uh, Charles Woods, one of the transfers you recently talked about. Um, who do you think there at the other corner, Stephen?
1: Uh, probably go Daryl Porter. Uh, he's shown me a lot in the past. He's always been consistent in his play. You know, I think that everybody knows that this fan, this shows a big fan of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go with old Daryl Porter, man. Until, I, he, I mean, until he proves otherwise that he's not a good defensive back. You know what I mean? You can't really take yeah. him out of his position.
0: I mean, I'm with you. I mean, from what I've heard, he's, he's pretty good. So uh, <laughs> I, I'd probably go, go dare Porter, too. When In the spring game, that one Are interception he got. Yeah, no, I didn't know if you knew that or not. But I like the yeah. guy, so that would be my pick, too. Uh, spring game really showed me a lot with the interception he went up and got in the covers he was putting on some of those receivers. So that'd be where I'd go, uh, Bradley, who you got? I'm going Darrell Porter, too. Kids, right. kid's been working his ass off, and it's time for him to shine. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I agree. And then uh, lastly in the position battles before we get out of here, one more position battle we wanted to go at, and that is uh, the safeties because West Virginia brought back, you know, a couple of safeties. I think people didn't expect them to do utilizing the extra year was Alonzo Adai and Sean Mahone, and then of course you got Kerry Martin coming back after having uh, sat out last season, and then of course you have Scotty Young, who's uh, potentially going to fill in that spear spot where uh, Tyke Smith left that hole uh, when he left to uh, Georgia via that transfer portal. So four names there, three safety spots you got the spear safety, the free safety, and the cat safety. Out of those four names, who starts where and who's kind of the backup and at what spot do they kind of rotate around? Uh, What do you think, Stephen?
1: Hold on. You might have to pause the dog. I'm froze. (laughs) 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 I can't get back. uh,
0: Stephen's video is experiencing some uh, technical difficulties. Can you all see me? yeah uh, i know, I, can you're see frozen. Frozen. I can hear you but you're definitely frozen like video wise oh, uh let's let's hey steven try to straighten it out bradley uh what do you think as far as these safety circuits are uh
2: so i think that uh alonzo adai is definitely going to get the start i think that he's uh, i want but i do want to see Kerry martin jr back there Some, i feel like he's been hyped up a good bit the past couple of years he's been a little more silent the past few more months uh but we were hearing really good things before him about him before the season last season, and we were expecting to see him. And then he decided to set out for the season. So I'm excited to see if he'll get out there and play some. Um, but I also think that Scotty Young and Sean Mahone—it's a battle, man. Like I'm loving that I'm talking about battles everywhere. Like you can't—it's going to be Alonzo die, and I'm going to say Scotty Young. I think Scotty Young's got some some pop to him, and I think he's that, excited.
0: That's where I'd go. I think I think Alonzo would die at free Sean Mahone at cat Scotty Young at spear and kj martin kerry martin you know kind of um oh. rotates in there uh steven uh you still around
1: uh, i'm here but i can't get this I all can't right get it so out. we got
0: steven <laughs> audio we don't got no video but uh steven what do you think as far as the the safeties
1: uh who I'm, i i forget who the choices are which one are we talking right. about again so
0: we're talking we're talking free safety we're talking cat safety we're talking spear, spear. and you got alonzo you got sean Mahone. You got Scotty Young, and he you got Kerry Martin. Well, <laughs> well, well. Stephen, agrees with us both. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, that's 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 uh, the way it boils down to. But uh, yeah. te- technical difficulties on the end of Stephen here, but uh, getting ready to close this thing out anyway. So you know, at least at least it happened towards the end here. But yeah. um, off-season wrap-up show. A success, I think, you know, conference realignment talks, whatever you wanted to hear, got into that, got into some position battles. And uh, we'll be back here in the near future. We've got the season prediction roundtable coming up, and we're going to kick off season four uh, with that here in the coming weeks and then uh, be about ready to get into a Maryland preview. So it's almost here, um, yep. Nation, almost time for the season. Um, any final thoughts, Bradley, before we close this thing out?
2: Uh, I think the face that Steven is frozen on is super adorable.
0: Uh, I mean, sense. I, I would have to, I'd have to agree oh, yeah, there. Just sitting just,
2: there showing...
0: He looks so stoic.
2: He does. <laughs> That's all I got though. Oh, right, he's gone. It's,
0: <laughs> oh, no, we lost Steven, but anyway, right there at the end. So, uh, at least we made it all the way through, uh, Really glad we all got three got to get together again. We're going to all three get together again very soon. Season prediction roundtable coming up. All that good stuff season coming up. So uh, for uh, the now-missing Steven and for Bradley, as always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz. Until next time, let's go
1: Mountaineers.